Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Praise the Lord. There we go. Amen, amen. It's social media star. Oh, wow. Amen. Uh, you know what's funny about that is I, I never post stuff as I travel. I think some people are like, uh, I don't really know if he has a ministry or not because I just, uh, I don't know. I'm not old, but some of us older folks, how many of y'all are just not into video, t- uh, you know, showing everybody what you had for dinner? Anybody? Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay, yeah, this is what I'm doing now. Here's what I'm doing, yeah, so uh, it's a challenge for me, but uh, it's like the gym. If you don't show yourself at the gym working out, it never happened, am I right? So people are like, Dustin, do you really have a ministry? So we're trying to, uh, I'm trying to challenge myself to really uh, uh, let people know we're hanging out. We're actually going out, preaching the gospel and uh, telling people about Jesus. Amen. Man, it's just so good to see everybody this morning. Y'all are a good looking group. I go to a lot of churches and uh, you can't say that about everybody, but you guys. You guys are a good-looking group. I was at this one church one time, and uh, most of the people in the front row had summer teeth. Y'all know what summer teeth are? Some are over here, some are over there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God bless you. It is good to be here this morning. And uh, how many of y'all have ever heard me tell? I'm trying to focus, but I, I just can't help myself. How many of y'all uh, have heard the red dress joke that I've told? Anybody heard the red dress joke? Good. Nobody. This will be a this will be a crowd pleaser. Amen. It's good to be here. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Um, anyways, this lady was out shopping and she found this amazing red dress. She just absolutely loved it. She has it on. It fits just perfectly. She calls her husband. She says, "Honey, I found the dress." And he said, well, babe, you know where we're at financially? And he goes, how much is it? She goes, it's expensive. He said, well, I I just don't think we should do that at this time. So they hang up, and he gets home from work, sets his briefcase down, walks in. There she is standing in a beautiful red dress. Of course, his mouth drops and says, sweetie, is this is this the dress you called me about? She said, it is. He said, I thought we talked about this. You weren't going to buy that dress. She said, I know, but uh, the devil made me do it. He said, well, sweetie, you should have told the devil, get thee behind me, Satan. She said, I did. He said, it looks good from back here, too. So, (laughs) amen. (laughs) I love that joke. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. There you go, ladies. That's your... That's your line for the next shopping spree right there. The devil made me do it. Praise God. I just want to recognize and honor, first and foremost, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I was thinking about this earlier. If I wasn't saved, you know what I'd do? I'd get saved. Come on, somebody. You're at the right place at the right time. God's moving. God's, uh, this is one of the best times ever to be alive. I wouldn't want to be alive in the 1800s. I want to be alive right now because God is doing things that he's never done before. God is on the move. The church is growing. The church is getting stronger. No matter what the devil may tell you or social media may tell you, God is on the move. Amen. And I'm excited because you made a decision this morning to come to church. I saw a family this morning walking in, and I thought, look at there, man, getting your kids up, bringing them to church, being a part of the body of Christ. You're not here because you're weak. Come on now, you're, a lot of people, uh, religion, society would think you come here because it's a box to check or because you're lacking in some area of your life or you need some kind of a support group. But I'm here today to tell you that you're here today because you've made a decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life and first place in every area, amen? And so you're gonna get changed today. God's word is gonna be preached. You're going to leave here different than the way you came in. You're going to be energized, strengthened, ready to swing over hell, as one preacher said, on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. Because we're going we're gonna to give you both barrels today because Jesus is alive. I'm excited. Uh, secondly, I want to honor Pastor Jason and Alicia, man. They are some of my best friends. I'm so thankful for them. Um, you know, as a, as a traveling minister, it says a lot when a minister, a pastor allows you to stand in the, behind the pulpit when they're not here. 
There's so many pastors that won't have you in because they're like, I don't know you, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what you're going to do, but because of the relationship, because of the trust, he can actually be with family, enjoy his, his grandchild, and just enjoy some time away and know that the people, the church are going to be fed, the people are going to be taken care of, and the word of God will be preached. Amen. So I'm just so thankful for your pastor this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to dive into some things this morning on the authority of the believer. Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1. And I'm reading now the New King James Bible. It's the Bible that Jesus carried. I love that. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. We're talking about the authority of the believer. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back. And uh, uh, I think you can go on YouTube. It's probably out today. Uh, but get that message and uh, listen to it. Allow the Word of God to minister to you. Because we really talked about the uh, understanding of who you are in Christ and what you have been given in Him. We talked about the origin of authority. That God gave Adam and Eve the authority of dominion to subdue, to conquer, to bring into subjection anything that would oppose the will of God. And we talked about how God gave that to them. We talked about how Adam and Eve sinned and bowed their knee to Satan and gave that authority over to Satan, which he uses to oppress mankind. But God didn't leave us there. We talked about how Jesus came and he defeated death, hell, and the grave on the cross, and he resurrected from that grave with power and all authority. And that he gave that power and authority to his church, to his body. If the head has the authority, which Jesus is, then so does his body. You and I are the body of Christ, full of power and full of authority. You and I are the opposition or the resistance to the darkness that is trying to take over this world. We don't need to be in fear. We don't need to dread it. We don't need to stand back and tremble. We come boldly knowing who we are and what we possess, and we begin to bring havoc to the darkness, to bring uh, 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 an understanding to the people we come in contact with about the kingdom of God. Amen. So this week, I want to take us a step further and talk about the title of my message is we do not negotiate. There is no negotiation with the enemy. Amen. And we'll talk about that a little bit here, but I want to read our three scriptures. Normally you have one text, but uh, I'm a wordy guy. We're going to go with three here this morning. But Luke chapter nine and verse one says, then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure disease. He sent them to preach or proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I like that. To tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And this is one of my favorite parts of this verse. And it says, and nothing. Everybody say nothing. I love the gospel because it is absolute inclusive. It is absolute. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. He says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm going to say it again. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Old Testament says it this way, that the devil's not able to come in, around, or through to steal, kill, or destroy anything that belongs to you. That there's a, there is a hedge of protection up and about you. There's a, there is a, a protection that is around you. The devil's not able to get in or come near you because of that which God has accomplished in Christ Jesus. Matthew 28 and verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority. Everybody say all authority. I'm having you say a couple things this morning because sometimes when you hear it out of your mouth, it has a, 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 the ability to register in your heart. But all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I love that. All authority has been given to me both in heaven and on earth. 
Jumping a little bit ahead here, I want to make this comment. In Matthew, I believe it is chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He asks them a question, who do men say that I am? And they begin to give him the, the rebuttal. They say, you're an Elijah, a prophet, a good man. But then Jesus asks them, who do you say that I am? They say, you are the Christ. Peter jumps up. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus begins to say upon this rock or this revelation about being the Christ, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the resistance will not be able to have any effect against you. Then he says this, I believe in it's verse 18. It says this, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. One translation said, whatever you resist or deny on earth will be resist and denied in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permit in heaven which is what I want you to see first and foremost when it comes to the believer's authority is that you are responsible, watch that first step, you are responsible for the atmosphere of your life. So many people uh, uh, put everything over on God, and I'm not gonna get into this because, man, we can dig a ditch and we'd be here all day, but God is in control. The problem with that statement is that it places us in a mentality that there is no responsibility on the church or the believer as an individual, and everything that happens in our lives is whether God allows it, permits it, or denies it. And yet God has told us on earth, you have the power, you have the authority. So it is up to the body of Christ to come to the decision where, yes, sovereignly God is in control. But I want to say this to you this morning, that God is in control, but he's subject to his word. God is sovereign, but he's sovereign in his word. In other words, whatever the word of God says governs what happens in your life. So as a believer, there has to come something on the inside of you that God has always worked with man, that God has always partnered with man, and the reason that Jesus is no longer on the earth. He's in heaven, and he says, I've given you all power and authority. For what reason? For you to bring dominion or have dominion and bring chaos to order on this earth. You have that right. You have that privilege. So I'll say this boldly, and it's a bold statement because it leaves a lot of questioning for most people. But most of the, the I won't say most, but a lot of the, the chaos that is in our lives is because we've allowed it or permitted it. It's a big statement. It, it shakes us to the core. But when we understand the authority that Jesus, we just read in these scriptures, has told us that all authority, all power, I've given to you. It's yours. You possess it. There has to come an understanding. We're going to see this. There has to come a knowledge of what you possess, that there is an enemy, and you have the right and the ability to put him in his, to stop him in his tracks and, and stop him from bringing terror and, and a havoc in your life. You have that right. Authority, remember this, authority is delegated power. And authority's value depends upon the force behind the user. One of the greatest illustrations of this is simply this, is that a police officer in and of himself does not have the ability to raise his hand and stop a vehicle. If you wanted to, and I don't recommend it, you could keep on trucking. But what gives that officer the boldness and the confidence to stand in the middle of a street, to raise his hand, to look and say, stop, and expect you in a heavy vehicle, a big truck, whatever it may be, to come to a full, complete stop? It is what's backing the badge. It is the delegated authority that he's been given by the powers above him that back him and say, because of this badge, because of this delegated authority, whatever this individual says is backed by a power that says, if you don't listen to him, we're coming after you. 
It is no different than in the spirit realm that authorities value. The authority that you possess, the value that it holds, depends upon the force behind you. That's why the Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. That no weapon formed against you can prosper. Why? Because there is a force that is behind you. And if I can say it this way, there is a force that is in you, that is backing you, that when you speak the word of God and you be de- begin to, cl- to declare what God has spoken, God does what he said in Jeremiah 1.12. He watches over that word to perform it. He's there to back you and make sure that the enemy listens to what you say. With this information, I want to make this comment. America holds a strong stance in a policy, which most of us probably know simply by the movies that we've watched. I went through on YouTube and I found a clip where it had a bunch of movies. I was like, man, it kind of been cool to have shown that. But the statement I'm about to make, I guarantee you've heard it somewhere in a movie once or twice before, and it's simply this, that the United States of America does not what? Negotiate with terrorists. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Come on. I'm sure Bruce Willis said it somewhere. I don't know. I'm just saying whether that's a Christmas movie or not, we don't know. We'll just... (laughs) But the United States of America does not negotiate with terrorists, those that inflict terror. The devil is a terrorist. And the church must adapt a no negotiation position. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't negotiate with the enemy, the devil that would try to bring fear, torment, or terror into your life. I wrote this down, this is an old saying, but the devil will try to take your life an inch at a time until you allow him to become a ruler. He'll try to take your life an inch at a time. He'll try to come in and take a little bit and you'll negotiate with him. You'll allow him to take a little little, little space, a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more until one day he's ruling your life. Not because of any other reason, but because you've allowed it to happen. You've negotiated with the enemy. There was a minister by the name of Norval Hayes. I love this story. And he, had, uh, he was known for his great meetings. And uh, he also, because of the, the, the call on his life, he had a lot of uh, demonic activity in his services, laying hands on people, casting out demons. He was known for this. People would come to get delivered. A lot of his books talk about uh, demonic things and how to uh, rule over them and, and things of this nature. And I, I confirmed this story with a friend of mine, a preacher. I said, am I remembering this story correct? Because it almost comes across like it's a joke. Uh, and he said, no, true story, true story. That Norval Hayes was in this prayer line and he's laying hands on this guy that had a spirit of gluttony. And he's standing there and he says to this man, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. And the spirit spoke to him and said, I'm not coming out. He said, you're coming out in the name of Jesus. And the devil said, I'll come out if you give me a cookie. <laughs> True story. Listen to me, we don't negotiate with the enemy. You're not coming out because I'm gonna give you something or permit something. You're coming out because of all power, all authority that I possess in the name of Jesus. And in that name, you will leave now in Jesus' name. There is no negotiation. And I'm gonna show you some things this morning that if you'll put into an effect, if you'll renew your mind and begin to walk this way, I don't negotiate with the enemy. I don't tolerate, tolerate chaos and disorder in my life. And you begin to set the boundary line around your home, your business, your family, and you begin to declare the things of God that have been written and given to you in Christ Jesus. You'll begin to see peace And joy become to the surface of your life. You only negotiate, listen to this, you only negotiate when you don't know what you possess. 
I love that. You only negotiate when you don't know what you possess. The reason the United States does not negotiate with terrorists is because they know what they possess. They know that the terrorist has no true power. There may be a threat. There may be something they say will do if you don't. But at the end of the day, the United States knows there is a greater force that is backing us, that is for us, than the terrorist that is trying to bring terror. The body of Christ needs to come to the place we don't negotiate because we know what we possess. We have an understanding, a knowledge of what we actually possess in Christ, and therefore there is no negotiation, there is no trembling, there is no indecision, there is an absolute confidence and boldness in him. And I wanna insert this right here. The reason that most of the time authority is such a trying situation in our lives is because the devil wants you to try to prove your spiritual position with a natural manifestation. Listen to me, when you speak the word of God and you declare something over your finances, your family, over your business, whatever it may be, when you begin to take authority, you're going to have to remember that you're speaking the word of God, which is spirit and which is life. You're also speaking into the spirit realm. And that you're not necessarily trying to see with the natural eye something that happens in the natural. Although there are times where it does, you can see it in the natural. You're with me? You speak by faith. You declare the word of God by faith. And when you speak something and you begin to declare something by the word of God, there has to come a confidence on the inside of you that says, I'm not waiting to see if what I said comes to pass. I know by the word of God and what has been delegated to me that when I stand in my position as a son and daughter of the most high God and I begin to declare something, that is when and in that moment there is change. You do it by faith. Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm not moved by how I feel, and I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by the word of God. Probably one of the greatest statements that has ever been made. Because you and I both have a, a temptation to be moved by what we see and how we feel. The Bible says, by Jesus stripes, I am healed, but I feel sick. My head's throbbing, my throat's sore, I feel weak, I feel puny, I feel like calling the Buick. Come on, somebody. <laughs> my body's screaming to me. But there has to come this confidence on the inside of you that says, I know whose I am and whom I serve. And because of that, I'm about to declare something that is not based upon how I feel. And it's not based upon what I'm seeing in the mirror. It's based upon the reality of God's word. And I begin to declare in the name of Jesus. See, this, this kind of preaching, a lot of people, well, brother, I don't know. You can tell when somebody's in doubt, when you tell them the truth, they say, yeah, but. God's going to supply your needs. Yeah, but what if he don't? What is that? Those are the statements and the badges of unbelief. Doubt. See, when you get so full of the word of God and understanding who your God is, there is no room for doubting. There is no room for negotiation. I'm not waiting to see if God is going to do what he said he's going to do. I know that my God's going to do. Why? Because I've already fully persuaded myself and convinced myself that my God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank you for those two hand claps. Can I get a hand clap? All right, here we go. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says, My people are destroyed before, because of a lack of knowledge. This statement, what you don't know won't hurt you, is not true. Ignorance is not bliss. It'll hold you captive It'll stop the blessings of God from flowing in your life. 
You'll sit in frustration, the darkness of frustration, just agonizing, wondering, why is it working for me? Ignorance is not bliss. The Bible says, uh, Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13 says, therefore my people have gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. They have no understanding. There is no awareness of who their God is. Listen, authority, your authority is completely based upon the reality of who your God is and what Jesus has accomplished for you. It's not about your perfection. Come on, somebody. It's not about your do's and your don'ts. It's about the reality that Jesus went to the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave. He paid for the price of sin. And then he exalted you, as we said last week, to a place of authority. It's about who he is. And the knowledge of who he is is what enables you to confidently stand in the face of opposition and say, I will not be moved. You can't come in here and steal my joy. You can't come in here and bring havoc in my life. Thank you, Jesus. And you begin to magnify him. It takes practice, I will tell you that. It sounds good, it preaches good, because it's true, but it's, you're gonna have to come to the place where you make a decision, this is how I'm gonna live my life. I'm not gonna be like everybody else. I'm not gonna respond like everybody else. I'm gonna live differently. In the book, A Believer's Authority, Brother Hagan said, this is, uh, I, I wrote, this is why we pray the Ephesians prayers. I'm gonna read these to you real quick. I would encourage you, mark these down. I got them highlighted in orange. Mark these down. I I went to a mission school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Damata School of Missions. It was a three-month school right after I came back from India. So I was like, man, let's go do that. And Man, we were blessed. I don't know. Does anybody know who Teal Osborne is? Y'all are into Teal? We had Teal Osborne in our class, like, like, 60 people, and then there's this legend. Like, I mean, it was, it was a really cool opportunity. We had a lot of cool ministers that came through and, and preached to us and shared stories. Um, but every morning, we got up in that class during those three months, and we would pray these prayers. Brother Hagan said uh, the turning point of his life is when he prayed these prayers more than a thousand times. A thousand times, man, that's, that's a lot. Here we go. Hey, Ephesians chapter one, I'm gonna read these to you. Verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, watch this, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, verse 17, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I love this. Of insight into mysteries and secrets, into the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Back to verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know the, what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, How high? Far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Someone say he's talking about me. Verse 23, which is his body, the church, his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Uh, Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 21 says, now that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, watch this, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, his spirit in your inner man. 
Now, I know this is a lot. It's a lot of scripture. You haven't read your Bible in a month, man. We're catching you up today. Here we go. But I'm telling you, read these verses over and over again. It'll begin to bring an awareness and an understanding, a revelation to you of who you are and what God has done for you. What you possess that enables you to stand in opposition against the enemy. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Everything about these verses is what inspires and excites the reality of what God has done for you. It enables you to stand in the face of opposition without fear or trembling. No matter what it is, the doctor gives you a report, you got cancer, or the doctor tells you this, or you get a bill in the mail that's extravagantly more than you've ever thought you'd have to pay somebody. I mean, whatever it would be that would try to rock you or bring you back, listen to me, when you begin to pray these prayers, you begin to realize the reality of what's in you and what's backing you. That you possess everything that is needed to bring about change in your world. Let me give you uh, a few things real quick as we're wrapping up. To walk in authority with no negotiation. Number one, listen to this, Ephesians chapter 10. When you enter into an opposition or a place where authority is needed, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong where? In the Lord and in the power of his might. You enter into the situation, not in and of yourself, but in the power of his might. This is why, uh, man, I'm sitting there, uh, Pastor Daniel already kind of told you about it, but my kids are asking me about, Dad, what's praying in tongues and how does that work? And they're asking me and we talked about it a little bit. We're busy. Things are going on. Like I said in the, in the clip there, we were, we were cleaning the house. And the Lord just said to me, don't miss this opportunity. Don't let this day or this time go by with your kids and not address this cry that's on the inside of them. And so I began to say, I said, kids, come here. We sat down. I grabbed my Bible. I made this joke on the videos. Like, and for two hours, you know, like, I broke down the theological understanding of why tongues is for, and I didn't do that. I took five minutes, and I ran my kids through the scriptures of praying in the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, and you shall receive power, authority. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then we jumped to chapter 2, and we talked about how the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and on the day of Pentecost, when, they were, when it had fully come, they were all assembled in one place, in one accord, and the Spirit of God come in like a rushing mighty wind and sat on each of them and filled them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. They began to speak. I love that. Why am I saying this? Because when you begin to build your prayer life, this is why praying in tongues is so important. We'll talk about this just for a moment, but why you pray in tongues is so important. I told my kids, I didn't say this, but uh, I told my kids, I said, guys, we sat down and I said, we believe everything that's in this book right here. If it's written in the Bible, we believe it. I like to tell people all the time, don't read what you believe, believe what you read. When you open this up, you're going to have to come to it neutral. Don't let religion tell you it's not, it can't. So-and-so said this. You're going to have to get in there and say, why is it written right there? Why is this a part? Why, why is God wanting me to see this? Let me read this to you. This is not my notes. I'm, I'm getting off this thing here. Just hang tight, real. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says, For the promise of the Holy Spirit... This should settle all arguments right here about, well, I, don't, I just don't know about that praying in tongues thing. Can you go to heaven without praying in tongues? Absolutely. I got a joke about that, but we'll say that for another time. 
because it may not be appropriate. Anyways, here we go. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children. Watch this. And to all who are afar off. That's talking about us. As many as our as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, what he was saying was the, the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was for them, their children, and for everybody that would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Praying in tongues is what edifies, builds you up. It brings you to the awareness of the Spirit to where you, when you face an opposition, you're not doing it in and of yourself. In, 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 uh, the believer's authority cannot be something that is attained in your intellect. It has to be something that is received by the Spirit. Because if you try to face the devil in the natural, listen to me, he'll whip you every single time. He's a natural devil. You hold him captive by keeping him in the spirit. When you pray in other tongues, what you're doing is you're building. The Bible says that you pray out the perfect will of God. You give thanks and you build yourself up. You energize yourself. You're rejuvenating that spirit that's on the inside of you that enables you not to stand in the face of the opposition as yourself, but in authority and power that is backing you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. It goes on there in Ephesians chapter 6 and tells us, Put on the full armor of God. What is it saying? Put on Christ. Can I say it to you this way? Every single day you ought to put yourself in remembrance of who you are in Christ. I'm not walking out the door as myself. I'm walking out the door today, a man, a woman that is clothed in the armor of God. You guys know it. It's put it on daily. Put yourself in remembrance of him. It's the belt of truth. It hold, truth holds everything up. The breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Notice that it's everything that is on the front of you. There is no armor on the backside. Why? Because there is no retreat for the child of God that knows who they are in him. We are a people about advancing the kingdom of God. I don't need protection back here because I'm not facing the devil running. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm facing him head on. In the power of who he is. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, not by power, <clears throat> but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Jesus, after he had been tempted by the devil for 40 days, the Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. I want to make this statement to you this morning. It's another bold statement. If you return from a battle in anything other than power or authority, you did it wrong. If you returned from a battle in anything other than power and authority, you did it wrong. No condemnation. Nobody's perfect. I get it. But my challenge to us this morning is simply this. When I face opposition, Jesus faced the devil head on, and he didn't come back crawling. Lord Jesus, guys, I just spent 40 days in the wilderness. Woo, somebody get me a happy meal and a biscuit. Man, I'm hungry. I'm barely holding on here. Lord, help me. Y'all intercede. Y'all pray for me. No, the Bible says that he came back in the power of the Spirit and the fame of him went out through all the region. Why? Not because of, in, in, in the sense of what I'm saying, not because of who he was in and of himself. He even said, in and of myself, I can do nothing, but because he was in the Spirit. He was in the power of the Spirit. Number two, Ephesians chapter six and verse 18 says this, pray always with all prayer, and supplication, where? In the Spirit. Can I say it this way? Pray always in the Spirit. Prayer, listen to this, prayer is the desire to bask in the intimate presence of the Father. 
to hear. This is what I want you to see about prayer. The reason you pray is because it enables you to hear and to see the will of the Father. Don't make prayer an obligation or a duty. Prayer is not regulated. It's not systematic. We've made it religious, made it like, man, you're not praying. You're, oh, hey, I don't want to call you, and you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Stop. Ah. Prayer is simple. It's easy. It's simply you communing with the Father, you basking in his presence. Why? Because I want to see something, and I want to hear something. Why? Because what you see, you act out. What you hear, you speak. James chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 5, 19 says, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees, the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. John chapter 12, 49 says, for I have not spoken on my own authority. In other words, there was submission involved. But the father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. In other words, this prayer produces the command, the authoritative command that says, no, sir, you don't have any right. You have no, uh, uh, no uh, place in this situation. Not today. What gives you that boldness? What gives you that right? What gives you that authority? Intimacy with the Father. When I see something, it changes everything. When I hear something, it changes everything. Why? Now I'm not speaking my words, I'm speaking his words. Listen to me. If you'll remind yourself of who you are in Christ, putting on the full armor of God and begin to declare the word of God, Satan won't know if it's you or Jesus that is standing there. And he'll be like, oh man, that's the one that defeated me 2,000 years ago. I better tuck tail and I better run. Don't stand there in and of yourself. Stand there in the power of his might, his victory, what he did 2,000 years ago. Put him on and declare what you hear from him. This is why in Matthew chapter 8, 8 through 9, the centurion, he said to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Watch this. He said, but only I like to speak a word. Can I just tell you something? When you're standing and you're, and you're declaring some things over a situation, it don't, you don't have to be long-winded. You don't have to sit there, everybody buckle up. I remember this one time, this, this dad, when I was at uh, uh, Bible school, there was probably about 10 or 12 of us at this table. I'm sitting by the dad, and he's kind of leading this thing, and he says, Dustin, will you pray for us? Pray for our meal today? I said, absolutely. This is my chance to shine. I mean, you know, you don't think that, but here we go, right? Man, I let it rip. Thank you, Father, God, and every, you know, I'm just giving it. We get done, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know who to call next time you need a prayer. You know what I'm saying? We, die, we got that done. He looked at me and said, Dustin, that was great, but we do our devotions in the morning. We're here to eat. <laughs> I was like, Woo, I'll be over here. God bless you. I love that. Listen to me, so many times we think it's, I don't know what to say. One word. He said, say a word. Be healed. That's why Jesus got so excited about the centurion that he marveled at his faith. Why? Because he understood authority. He said, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not moved by that. Speak a word. Declare it. I'm a man under authority or under submission. When I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. I get it. Just say a word. Jesus was like, hey, listen up. It's what it's all about. Listen to him. You don't have to have some memorized, long phrase or statement to defeat the enemy. What you need is a knowledge of who your God is. And when the devil's messing with you, you stand there and you say, get. Yeah. And the believer's authority, uh, Brother Hagin tells the story about Smith Wigglesworth. 
He's standing there at the bus stop and this lady's standing there and she comes walking out of her apartment to you know, wait for the bus and as she does, her little dog comes running out, starts you know, uh, kind of rubbing her leg and you know, just being a dog. And the lady says, all right now, honey, go on, get. And the dog kind of whimpered, but came right back and kind of starts circling her legs again. She said it again, now go on now, mommy's gotta go. And it kind of took a couple steps and came right back. And finally, she stomped her foot real hard and yelled, now get out of here. And it said, rrr, rrr, rrr. And, and it says that Smith Wigglesworth, without even thinking, goes, that's the way you got to do the devil. And I was like, man, I like that. You don't negotiate with him. You don't patty cake with him. You don't stand, now, now, Satan, we need you to get on out of here now, sweetheart. You know, we don't have time for havoc today. No, you, you, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And because of the knowledge of who your God is and that which you possess, there's something inside that reinforces saying, man, what I just said brought a ripple through the atmosphere of the spirit realm. Last but not least, number three. Actually, I got two more, but we're gonna wrap it up. Number three. Joshua 1.8. Here's, here's Joshua. He's about to take the land. And, he tell, and God tells Joshua, Joshua 1.8, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, mutter, speak to yourself day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. And then you, because of your meditation, putting God's word first and foremost in your life, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Can I read to you real quick? I'm out of time. I'm sorry, guys. Here we go. Joshua, um, that was verse eight. Verse nine says, have I not, this is God speaking to Joshua. Listen to this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, then Joshua commanded. Where did he get the ability to command? From, the, from time in the presence of the Lord. That God spoke to him. He said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. Be strong and of good courage. I got you. And, and if I'm here, if I can encourage you today, can I just tell you, God's for you. Don't, don't allow the enemy to lie to you. God's saying to you, be strong and be of courage. I'm for you. I'm with you. And when you get that revelation of God being for you, it'll give you the ability to begin to command and bring order to your life. Believer, uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 15. This is God speaking to Abraham about what Joshua was about to take possession of. Here's what I want to say. He says, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. In other words, listen to me. When you spend time with God and you begin to see things, God said to him, all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants. In other words, if you can see it, you can possess it. Ooh, come on, somebody. If you can see your healing, it's not something that's over there. If I take this or I do that, not saying we don't go to the doctor. Come on, hear me out. But when you can see the redemptive work of Christ and what he's done for you, how he's healed you, how he's made a way for you, how he's provided for you, when that becomes more real than what's out here, then you are in position to begin to command and begin to take possession of what God has given to you. The enemy cannot stop you. If you read through Joshua, isn't it amazing that the only enemy that was able to stop them was the ones that they negotiated with? When they went over the, the Jordan to, to Jericho, there was no go negotiation. 
They marched. They did what God told them to do. They shouted, and the walls came down. Listen to me. If you'll begin to do what God's told you to do, and you'll march around your situation and your problem, and you'll begin to shout and to declare the word of God, every, every wall, every hindrance, and every opposition in your life will come down. And there will be no resistance. There will be only victory, and there will be triumph. It's how... The word of God works. I'm done. But there is a fourth one. I'm going to get, throw it at you real quick. Y'all ready? Can you catch this? Don't forget about the name of Jesus. It's probably one of the most important. You enter in in the power of his might. You spend time basking in his presence so you can see and you can hear because it gives you the command. You meditate upon the word of God day and night. Listen to me, guys. This can't be secondary. You ain't got to read a chapter a day. I love the, the, the U verse. You know what's so cool about the U verse? Bibles, you can, I do it all the time. When I'm driving, I find the one that speaks or talks and I hit play and I let them read it to me. When I, I you know, hey, you got busy, you got out the door, and you're like, man, I ain't read my Bible day. Let them read it to you. What am I doing? I'm feeding myself. The Bible talks about that the word of God is bread. Jesus is the bread of life. The Bible talks about that in, in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God or God breathe. It's, it's air. In 1 Peter, I think it is, it talks about the washing of water of the word. If you're not getting into the word of God, you're a malnutritioned, suffocating, dehydrated Christian. That's a lot. But you need the word of God to give you nutrition, substance. It brings life to you. Takes a breath of fresh air. It rejuvenates you and gives you the ability to face opposition. But the last one is the name of Jesus. Philippians says, at that name. At that name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm telling you today, if you're standing in front of anything and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say and you're standing there and the devil's lying to you saying it's over, it can't happen, you failed, you're, you're not going to win. He's, he's doing what he does best and trying to manipulate you, trying to control you and trying to take you out. I'm here today to say if you'll simply begin to speak and declare Jesus. Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus. When you say Jesus, you say it all. You say healing, salvation, deliverance, everything is in that name, in the name of Jesus. Sometimes in the morning when I'm worshiping or I'm praying and I, I'm just spending time with the Lord, I just go, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I magnify you. Thank you, Jesus. I just speak the name. Why? Because at that name, come on, church. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Cancer bows its knee at the name of Jesus. Relationships that are in chaos have to come into order because of the name of Jesus. Financial pressure has to be released at the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we praise you for, your, for this time together, your word. I thank you, Lord, that I've given the people what you've given me. I thank you, Lord, that they've been encouraged. I thank you that we're a group of people that are not oppressed of the enemy, that we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I thank you that, Father God, there's those of us that will begin to rise up and begin to take control, begin to take authority over every lying devil that would try to oppose us. We give you honor, the glory, and the praise today. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.